Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this 145th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests on this episode include actor and writer David Magadoff. We'll talk about the new series, Dexter New Blood, that premieres this Sunday. We'll also talk to actress and musician Nina Bergman. We'll talk about her new movie, Hell Hath No Fury, which premieres this Friday. We'll also visit with sports writer and, well, you know him from around the horn on ESPN, Bill Plaschke has a new book, Paradise Found, a high school football team's rise from the ashes, which is available now. We'll also visit with actor and writer Chris Kattan. He's part of a new movie, 40 Love, that premieres this Friday. And we'll also talk about Nickelodeon's official SpongeBob Binge Pants podcast with hosts Frankie Grande and Hector Navarro. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out the shop, and share with your friends. Now, here is more proof that men are only pretending to be tough and emotionless. A new study in England found that guys might actually get more emotional about breakups and have a harder time with them than women do. Now, researchers looked through posts from an online forum where 184,000 people asked for advice or just vented about breakups, and they found men were more likely than women to talk about the heartbreak they were going through. Now, in general, men are less likely to talk about their emotions with friends and more likely to ask for advice online. So the researchers say it's possible men get just as emotionally invested in things as women or even more so. They just hide it because they don't want to seem like a wuss. We're going to talk about the series on Showtime that is coming up on Sunday, Dexter New Blood. We've got David Magadoff with us today. And first off, David, I mean, how excited are you? It is back this weekend. Uh, let's just say it's, it's an 11 out of 10. It's very exciting to be a part of something that means so much to so many people. And I think it'll be really fun for people who've never seen anything with Dexter Morgan in it. I think it's going to be a, a good time for all. Now tell us, uh, what do you think is the draw for Dexter, and what has the anticipation of the fans been like leading up to Sunday? The fans have been pretty pretty great. I, I, it's at least from the Internet and from uh, you know seeing some in person at some of these events. But I just think people really miss this character. I think there's something about not necessarily him being a serial killer. I think the appeal to him is that he just, it's about a guy who acts on instincts and I think in life we all hold back on our instincts sometimes and so I think we get to be in his head because he constantly narrates, right? That's one of the special things about Dexter Morgan is you hear him, you hear his thoughts. And I just think it's fun to sort of process he, you know, he processes why to or not to do the bad things he does. And I think we kind of can all relate because I think we constantly all have urges. I have urges to do things that I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do that. And so, you know, I certainly can relate. And so I think that's, that's the great appeal of Dexter Morgan. I just think it happens to be fun that his urges are, uh, you know, taking out a knife and plunging into somebody's body. It's just a little darker than most people take it. Listen, I have an urge to get a chocolate ice cream cone on a day, but maybe I, sh I shouldn't be having it. But if he wants to kill somebody, I think they're related. I mean, it's just one step away. One step away. That's one. What are some of the things that folks can expect from the new series? Uh, any changes? What uh, What can we expect from uh, Sunday night's episodes? 
Uh, Dexter's a woman now. Uh, beautiful, uh, long hair. Um, uh, and I think that's going to be a real surprise to people. No, uh, Dexter's got a new name. His name is J- Jim Lindsay. Uh, Jim Lindsay is actually um, an homage to Jeff Lindsay, who's the author of the original book. Um, and so he's got a new name. He's in a new town. I mean, a new side of the country. He's in upstate New York, not Miami anymore. Um, or not Oregon, which is where we last saw him in that season eight finale. So, spoiler, no spoiler. You've had a lot of years to see that. Uh, and, yeah, it's just about, you know, he's been pretty good about uh, not hurting people for a long, long time. And, uh, obviously, you got to make a show about something. And so that something is something, something or something start to happen that, you know, make him potentially want to uh, do some not nice things to potentially some not nice people. And so that's uh, where we begin. That was well put together, David. I got to give you credit on that one. Aside from Dexter, I know you've got uh, you've got the podcast, you've got a comedy show, writing as well. What's up next for David as well? Well, I just hosted the first ever Candy Crush All-Star Tournament, um, and so that's going to be coming out, I believe, November 12th, and it's the top 10 Candy Crush people in America get to compete against each other for the award of Best Candy Crush All-Star. And we got Khloe Kardashian and Rob Gronkowski featured in it. It's going to be a really, a really good time. Um, but the podcast I'm really excited about, particularly because my podcast is called Fan Addicts. Uh, it's spelled F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. And it's from the Roddenberry Entertainment people, the makers of the Trekkie, the original fanboy and fangirl. Mm-hmm. And it's about your favorite celebrities and their favorite things. But we're going to do a whole Dexter series starting on... Monday, November 8th. Every Monday we're going to drop the day after the Dexter New Blood show airs. We're going to drop a recap along with an interview of a cast member. So we're starting it off with Michael C. Hall on Monday the 9th and then Julia Jones on the following Monday. And for the next 10 Mondays, it's going to be a nice, fun companion piece to the Dexter series. And I know you're also uh, developing a uh, comedy pilot as well. Is is that still in the works, David? I am, yeah. I've got a, a bunch of shows that I'm working on. One is kind of a, a semi-autobiographical piece on my own life. Uh, I decided who, was, who wouldn't want to make uh, a comedy about religion? And I thought, that seems <laughs> easy, so I'll, 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 I'll do that. And so... I'm the I'm the Jew from New Jersey who uh, decided in college that maybe I want to start going to church, and so I decided to write a uh, comedy pilot about that. And obviously, my family was totally fine with that; it had no <laughs> issues whatsoever. And so I thought that could be a, 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 a funny take on you know the big decisions we make later in life. Are we allowed to make those decisions? Uh, how does the family and friends around us get affected? Ripple ripple affected by you know, if it's a, are you a Buddhist who becomes a Catholic? Are you a Muslim who becomes a Jew? I mean, there's so many things in life where we, you know, we can we leave the tribe that we're a part of and go into a new tribe? But also, does that make us closer to the people that we're, we're you know, in our lives as well? You know, so I, it's a complicated thing, and I think a lot of people go through those stories, and I kind of wanted to share mine. So if people can feel at home there, great, and uh, trying to make it a little light, 
trying to make it fun, some topics that are maybe a little heavier in, in the in the world. So. Now, during COVID, because COVID, did did your ideas, your inspirations turn darker, or was it the opposite for your writing style? You know, it was really the opposite. I, I started, I'm the type of guy who likes to make people laugh and smile. I like to take something dark, but make it fun. Um, so... I remember early on in COVID, I started doing like a little IG Live series called Fatter David because I knew all my friends had all their little like two, three, four-year-olds at home and five-year-olds and maybe even just my friends who were in their 20s and 30s just bored themselves. And none of us could go outside and none of us could do anything. So I created this thing called Fatter David where I had like hand puppets and I would do drawings with people and I had like Tony Hale on and the celebrity friends and Tiffany Thiessen, and we would just, you know, try to entertain people as best as we could. So, no, I, I, I you know, when things get down, I try to go up. That's good stuff. And again, uh, the new version of uh, Dexter, New Blood, coming out on Sunday, November 7th on uh, Showtime. David, I want to make sure and uh, let folks know where they can keep up with everything you've got going on, a social media website as well. I appreciate that. Uh, you can, y'all can find me at David Magadoff. That's just my handle at David Magadoff. One word: D A V I D M A G I D O F S. Because God gave me a great, easy to pronounce last name. And uh, Magadoff.com if you want to find other stuff there as well for shows, podcasts, all good things. All right. Well, David, it has been great to visit with you today, sir. Looking forward to the new series, and hopefully, we can catch up again real soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Now here's some good info for anyone that's thinking about getting a puppy for Christmas. A new study just ranked the naughtiest breeds and the best behaved. Now they did it by looking at thousands of Instagram posts where people complained about their dogs misbehaving or bragged about what a good dog they were. And there was a clear winner in the naughtiest dog category. Japanese Spitz is the worst behaved dog overall. They're a fairly small dog, 10 to 25 pounds, with bright white fur and pointy ears. 87% of Instagram posts about them had to do with bad behavior. Now, the rest of the five naughtiest breeds are the wire-haired Vishla, which are hunting dogs, Chugs, which are half Chihuahua, half Pug, Shishans, which are a cross between a Shih Tzu and a Bichon Frise, and Pushans, which are half Bichon Frise and half Toy Poodle. Welsh Terriers and Springer Spaniels also made the list. Now, the best behaved were Korean Jindos, which are a medium-sized dog. 76% of posts about them were positive. Rhodesian Ridgebacks, Portuguese Water Dogs, Rat Terriers, and Miniature Pinchers also made the nice list. Now, the study also looked at the U.S. where people complain about their dogs the most. The states, that is. Now, the states with the naughtiest dogs are Kansas, North Carolina, and South Dakota. The states that complain the least, Maryland, Maine, and Indiana. Got a new movie in theaters this weekend. Actually had the premiere already. We're going to visit with uh, Nina Bergman talking about the movie Hell Hath No Fury. And first off, Nina, it's a privilege to have the chance to visit with you today. I'm excited to be here. 
Now tell us how exciting opening weekend is and and if you maybe have a different appreciation for it now than maybe you did a couple of years ago. Uh, yes. I mean, uh, you know, it was <laughs> first, you know, it's my movie that I'm starring in and then first movie I've ever been to since COVID. So it was a very emotional experience. Uh, you know, the theater was packed, you know, uh, and it was, you know, you put in so much hard work and then seeing it on the big screen is always, you know, it's always a special feeling. Now tell our <laughs> tell our listeners a little bit about the uh, the World War II pick uh, Hell Hath No Fury. Tell us uh, about your character in the movie and uh, just give us a little insight into the, if folks haven't seen the trailers. Yes, it's about uh, this French resistance fighter based on a true story. Uh, her name is Marie and uh, she, her parents were, were killed by um, a Nazi um, officer named von Buchner. And she is um, sent out to date this guy, falls in love. So it's it's um, actually a, a you know a, a romance wrapped in a war story, wrapped with you know American soldiers, and you know uh, it has it has it all. And then based on a true story, uh, so it's very complicated. It's really beautiful. It's uh, uh, it's yeah, it's a, a, a very you know I love things that are based on true stories. So very educational. It's, I thought it was shot epically, and uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed yesterday watching it. I was like, wow, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> and, and what's it like having the, the lead role and, and being featured in a film and coming to, to the theater and seeing yourself? Do you, do you still get a little shy to look at the screen, or, or are you already past that? Can I just say it's awful to look at yourself that big? <laughs> but then, you know, um, the movie was so good that after you know, five minutes, I got sucked into the movie and actually forgot I was watching myself. So that is, you know, all you can hope for. I got so into the movie, completely forgot that uh, that it was me out there. Yeah. Now, did, did you yeah, actually it, have some, did you have any music involved in this this one around? I know that several of the other works that you've been involved in, you've also had uh, been in the soundtrack as well. Did you, did you get in on the soundtrack this time around? No, I wrote I wrote music for it. I pushed for the director, and I think he just wanted something different because it is a World War II movie, so for the end title, I wanted to do it. But he just wanted to go a different direction, and he wanted a male voice. But, uh, you know, trust me, I fought for it, uh, you know, because, you know, doing... I wanted to do a French, you know, 1930s, 40s movie, you know, uh, music and, you know, have, have that be the end title. But he went a complete different direction and wanted a male voice. So, no, not with this one. Now, how has how how does your music and uh, and your acting and your songwriting, how do the three of those, do, do they play friendly with one another or does one try to take over for the others? Well, I have one coming out soon. Uh, we don't have a release date yet called Seize the Night where I play a goth singer from the 90s. And, uh, uh-huh, and I wrote all the songs and had a lot of the songs. And, uh, you know, it's somehow now it's kind of like getting intertwined. I just shot a new video game um, this week and last week. And, you know, again, I, I can be pushy when I want to, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm going to push for the music on that one, too. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's I'm trying to, you know, intertwine those two worlds. You know, it's it's a little difficult, um, but, uh, you know, when it works, it really works, like especially in this new movie coming out, Seize the Night, you know, because, 
you know, I, I love that kind of uh, 90s rock soft music. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, which was which so, was the first that that you knew you had a special gift? Was it was it the acting? Was it the song? Which one was the first to to discover, if you will? Um, do I have a special gift? I still don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I never thought much about it. I was always one of those. I do what I love, and I do it full out. And if I can make money doing it, I, I try to stay out of the results. You know what I mean? I just work really hard, do what I love, and um, I still don't think to this day that uh, I I have a special gift or anything special, but I know that I work harder than anyone else, and I have a, uh, an ability to commit and really, you know, give everything I have. So that's what I try to focus on, you know, in, in my career. And, and I'm sure you probably during COVID times was probably a bit of a struggle. If you, if you, I, I understand the the working hard. How were you able to channel your energies in the times that you weren't able to work hard face to face, if you will? Well, see, that's when you got to be creative. Like someone like me, COVID was like the best time. I shot Hell Hath No Fury during COVID. Reason being, they had a huge star from Europe. And they had issues getting her in for the table read and stuff. And I told the director, Jesse Johnson, I said, hey, I'll be like the apprentice, like the understudy. Let me just read, do the table read, knowing very well I'm going to go in, I'm going to nail this table read. (laughs) You know, and then uh, managed to get the part. And then we shot it during COVID. I, I, I did a comic book, a live comic book. During COVID, um, uh, where I narrated, I narrate the whole story with music that I wrote. You know, so it's like a, a virtual kind of comic book, very interesting project. So I was extremely busy during COVID doing passion projects that I normally never have time to do. That's awesome. Some folks took advantage of that. You obviously did as well. So now again, the movie this weekend, Hell Hath No Fury. Uh, Nina, I always want to make sure and let folks know where they can find more about uh, not only movie, but everything else you've got going social media wise, music and all that. Uh, I'm very active on Instagram at Nina Bergman, and my website, ninabergman.com, has everything. And um, the movie will be out um, here on the 5th uh, in theaters, and then it will be on all streaming services and platforms except for Netflix, I believe, on the 9th. So, uh, yeah, just Google Nina Bergman. (laughs) You'll find something somewhere. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Well, again, uh, check out the film in theaters this weekend, Hell Hath No Fury. And uh, again, Nina, it's been great to visit with you. I hope you have a, a great rest of your week. Get a little bit of rest after opening night, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, this is a more serious question for some people than others. Like if you're a surgeon, I hope the answer is no. Have you ever fallen asleep at work? Around one in four people have, according to a new poll, and over half of them say it's happened more than once. Now you'd expect older people to be more likely to say that it's happened to them just because they've spent more years in the workforce. But people between 25 and 50 were the most likely to say yes, 28% compared to 17% of people over 65. A separate study just came out that looked at how tired workers are in all 50 states, and according to the results, the most sleep-deprived workers are in Hawaii. 
Now, the 10 states where workers are most likely to be underslept are Hawaii, Kentucky, Georgia, Alabama, Maryland, New York, Indiana, South Carolina, Michigan, and Delaware. And the least sleep-deprived states are all fairly rural. They include South Dakota, Colorado, Minnesota, Montana, and Nebraska. I've been a fan of him for several years, a writer at the LA Times. Also, you've seen him around the horn and several other shows. Got a new book to talk about. It's called Paradise Found, a high school football team's rise from the ashes. We've got Bill Plashy on with us today. And first off, Bill, it's a privilege to visit with you, sir. Thanks. I'm I'm, uh, I'm honored. Uh, Oklahoma's a, always been a great favorite place of mine. My favorite, can I tell you my quick favorite Oklahoma story? So I'm there with the Lakers playing OKC in the playoffs. And I go out for a morning jog and my hat blows off and my shoes blow, my, my shoelaces blow off, blow, blow open and I get blown all around. <laughs> and, and so I come inside and I, and I say, God, is it always, I asked the, con, I asked the bellman, is it always this windy here? And he looks at me and goes, dude, sing the song. <laughs> sing the first line of the song. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. So yes, I love you. I love your state. I love, I love, I love the folks there. And our state loves some football too. And uh, an inspirational story here, Bill. How did you first hear about uh, the Paradise football team and and the story that was building there? I was told about a coach. There was a fire, 2018, November 8th, a fire that devastated the town of Paradise, California. 28,000 people live there. It is the most destructive wildfire in California history. It, it it dropped the population down to eight to two to three thousand or two thousand. It raised everybody lost their homes. Every you know, virtually everybody lost their homes. Yet the football field, the high school football field, ancient field, and the, and the ancient school stayed intact. They didn't burn. They had some parts of it melted, but they didn't burn. So, the football coach, I was always told, you got to check out this football coach. He's going to try to have a season next year with no town. He's going, to, he's going to have a team with no town. And I, and I didn't believe it. So I went up and met with Coach Rick Prins, and they were, they were still locked out of, the, out of the city when I got there. It was in March. And they were going to have spring practice. And he had 22 kids, and they're all – they used to have 106, and they all lost their homes, and most of them moved away. Wow. He had started with 22 kids, all wearing thrift store jeans and sweatshirts because they had no clothes. They get out to this field. It's a ratty field. So it's, it's a vacant lot. It's the only field they can find near this airport. No lines, no, no goalposts, no benches, just actual rocks and grass and, and, and trash. And he says, okay, let's get started. And then he realizes they don't even have a football. Wow. He says, he says, fellas, this is somebody here have a football. They, they didn't have a football. So that's what got me going on this journey through these kids. These kids, they've all been through. So that was the start of the journey of how they're going to pull off a team, how they're going to get this town resurrected again. And the kids are all suffering from PTSD because all of them had to drive down through the fire. So they all have escape stories, incredible stories of driving down the mountain through the fire when it raged through the town that morning, you know, and, you know, burned up their whole lives, their whole childhood's gone. So it's about, it's a story about football, as a connective tissue in a community, football as an inspiration, football as a 
safe haven for these kids who had nothing else. There, it was normalcy for them. They had to play. They had to play, and they went through great lengths. And you'll see in the book great lengths with it. With, with they know where they're living. They don't know where they're eating. They don't have any equipment. Don't have any food. Yet they insist on playing this season. And it turns out it turns out to be a great season. It turns out to be a wonderful, wonderful. They head toward a championship. It's a great story. Do stories like this, I mean, how do they affect you as a, as a writer and, and a reporter? I mean, these have got to be the ones that are the, the silver linings. I know you have to cover so many of the, the dark stories as well, but uh, it, how, how much do you appreciate these kind of stories to be able to share? Yeah, you're so right, Cameron. I get so tired of ripping USC football <laughs> or going after the Chargers or ripping the Dodgers. I get so tired of that. Um, yeah, this really renewed my faith in the power of sports to connect us, to bind us, to inspire us. Sports is the common denominator, it's our common language. And that first game, August 23rd against Williams High School, at the school they had to pay, they had to bribe schools to pay to play them. Nobody wanted to play them because <laughs> they were they, they thought if they beat them, they looked like bullies. And if they'd lose to them, you lost to a team that had no town. So you'd look bad. So, so there was no situation. So they bribed with some some donations, they bribed Williams to come play 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 him. First game, August twenty third. It's the first time anybody been back in town. The wow. town was still a smoldering wreck. So people showed up from everywhere, five thousand, crying, screaming, hugging. It was like a family reunion. And I knew then sports is so powerful that really, this is what that book's about: is the power of sports to change, to inspire, to uplift. And to resurrect this whole city is amazing. And Bill, when you're writing a, a story and reporting on a high school, how much different is your prep for this book as opposed to some of the others that you've written before? You started off a scratch with this book because you don't know anybody. You have, there's no <laughs> right. stories. I, I can't Google. I can't Google any of the players I talk to because 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 they don't exist on the internet. They're 15 year old kids. You Google. You, you, you can't Google anything. You can't. It's all you. So I love that part. You're, create, you're creating and bringing to life these characters. Everybody knows about LeBron James. Everybody knows about Clayton Kershaw and, and Moogie Betts. Nobody knows about Spencer Kiefer. Nobody <laughs> knows about Lucas Hartley. So I created these, these, these characters for the, for the thing. And that's why the book got optioned to, to be a movie, because I think they really like the fact that these are unusual kids. Nobody's nobody's heard of them. They're all it's all new and fresh and so different. And again, uh, the new book, Paradise Found, uh, High School Football Teams Rise from the Ashes. Bill, always want to make sure and let folks know where they can find uh, the book, find uh, more information about that. And, and of course, social media wise, where they can keep up with everything else you got going as well. Sir. Yeah, well, you know, I'm on Twitter, at Bill Plaschke, and, I, and I'll be pushing the book on there. You can just go online. Just, t- just Google that sucker and it'll come up. It'll be on Amazon, HarperCollins website, the Moral website. It's a, it's a big publisher. They're, they're, you know, you can buy almost you can buy it anywhere, and uh, it's worth it's worth a read. It's really fun. That's cool. Well, Bill, like I mentioned to you before, been a big fan for many years. I appreciate you carving some time out of your schedule today, brother. Looking forward to spending some time with the book myself. And if you're ever back down this way, uh, we'd love to catch up again. Cameron, call me a time, and I love that that horse in the background. What, what is that? That was a gift from my wife last year. How about that? She she made the camera. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thanks, Cameron. You're great. A Reddit thread on the most overpaid jobs is going viral. And chances are that your job did not make the list. Here are a few of the ones that did. Number one, famous actors. You know, millions of dollars for a few weeks of work. Pretty nuts. Number two, professional athletes. Forbes says Conor McGregor was the highest paid athlete last year, making $180 million. And he did lose both of his fights in 2021. Just saying. Number three, college football coaches, often the highest paid public employee in their state. Number four, paparazzi. They basically stalk people and, well, can make thousands for just one photo. Number five, megachurch preachers. Not all preachers, just the ones who fly around in private jets. Number six, real estate agents. 3% commission on a $500,000 house is pretty sweet, especially when houses are flying off the shelf. Number seven, social media influencers. Some make millions just posting crap on Instagram. Number eight, CEOs. With their salary, stock options, and perks, some make more than you even realize. At least 15 CEOs made over $100 million last year. Number nine, superintendents, because they make so much more than teachers. And number 10, therapist, the bad ones at least probably remember him from his time on uh, Saturday Night Live, also in some other movies as well. But we've got a new movie to be talking about today called 40 Love, and we've got Chris Kattan with us. And Chris, great to visit with you, sir. Thanks, man. Good to hear you. Uh, I love being on this show. I um, Yeah, Love 40 is a great movie. It's a wonderful romantic comedy that I'm in. Um, and uh, you can always look at my Instagram, my Instagram handle to see what I'm up to otherwise. I got a lot of stuff coming up. I got a lot of new, uh, I got a new uh, sketch comedy show that I wrote and produced and directed and starred in as well. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, and um, but if you check on Instagram official, you know I'll, uh, you know, come and make a request and I'll, uh, I'll start friending you. Now tell our listeners, Chris, just a little bit about the the premise behind Forty Love and and your character in the movie as well, sir. Um. I have a uh, role as a, tr- a truck stop driver or a truck driver that gets in a fight with one of the leads. And uh, it's a funny bit and, um, you know, seems to get a lot of response. So I'm doing uh, publicity for that movie. It's a romantic comedy. It's really funny and heartwarming. And Fred Wolf did a fantastic job making it. And he's really the reason why I did the film in the first place. And I read the script and I was like, wow, this could be a lot of fun. And it's got an, an an amazing cast of of folks that we will all remember, plus some some newbies. And uh, whenever you come on set, with, especially with some some younger artists, maybe you haven't worked with, how how blown away were you by uh, the, the the competence on set, if you will? Um, I mean, in age, uh, I had no problem. It's like being around anybody else younger than me. It's fine. Uh, a lot of them are big fans of mine, and. I guess that breaks the ice right off the bat, but uh, they're great. I mean, they have great energy, and there's so much talent coming up. And, um, you know, I had a great time working with them. And, Chris, I know you've got, you mentioned you've got several other works going on. I know you've got a book that's coming out as well. And when did putting out uh, a book of yourself, uh, when did that process first start for you? 
Uh, that was a few years ago. It's called Baby Don't Hurt Me. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can also get it on Audible if you don't know how to read or refuse to read. Um, that's a good thing to listen to in traffic in your car. Audible. Uh, Baby Don't Hurt Me is the name of the book, and it's about the behind the scenes of Saturday Night Live, and it's an autobio, and, and uh, people love it. They just love it, and especially nowadays, the day of expressing vulnerability and uh, what people have gone through uh, in life in order to get where they are as comedians, uh, I think is a, a very popular thing right now. So that's what that book is so full of. It speaks from the heart, and if, for anybody who wants to be a comedian, uh, it's a story about a comedian, uh, and it's not a book of anecdotes. You know, I wanted to speak from the heart and talk about my life that way. I thought that was the way, because I wanted to write. I didn't want to just tell some anecdotes and jokes in a book. You know, there are there, but I didn't, it wasn't about just entertaining in that way. I wanted to be real and open and honest, unlike most of the writers writing autobiographies, and uh, I just went for it. You know, and, and um, I think it really worked. Working along with the the Saturday Night Live cast, and, and and it's kind of a fraternity. It seems like once once you get into the cast, it seems like you guys always support one another. And how much has that meant to you over the course of your career since being on? Oh well, support is a great you know support equals encouragement, and encouragement is something that I think any performer could use when they're creating and performing, you know. Without that, it's very difficult to create your own enthusiasm. Uh, I mean, you have it, you have your inspiration to make characters, like I created Mango and the Roxbury Guys and the Cooper Sky and Gosshawk myself, and or collaborated with another writer. Um, but um, those, uh, you know, uh, in particular, um, you know, I love, I love creating. I'm a creative kind of guy, so I do love writing, and I think writing is the basis of comedy, and uh, if you read my book, you'll know what I'm talking about. You've delved down into into several different areas, doing writing, uh, doing comedy, acting, and all of that. Is there a particular one that, that, that requires more preparation time for you to do? Um, I think the writing, because you, 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 uh, as a writer, you have to be very clear and um, about what you're trying to convey. Uh, there's a direction to writing. You have to visualize the idea, then put it to paper, and then read it and let it breathe and see how it is and see if it's worth writing about, see if it's not worth writing about. There's a book called The Artist's Way, which is really helpful and uh, for those who want to learn how to write. Um, and uh, the artist way, and um, you know, I I uh, I just love comedy. I love making people laugh. It, it really gives me a buzz to help people uh, through laughter. I think laughter is medicine, and uh, I'm so grateful to be one of those people that can do that for others. That is good stuff. And again, the uh, the new movie is Forty Love. It is uh, available in select theaters, also uh, Apple TV Plus. And Chris, I always want to make sure. And uh, you mentioned earlier the the social media folks can follow you on. I wanted to make sure and uh, remind folks where the best place to keep up is, sir. Yeah, that's Chris Catan official on Instagram. And that goes directly to my Facebook, and that goes directly to my uh, Twitter account as well. But face, uh, Instagram is where I'm at. 
because I could post videos and chat with my fans and all that stuff. So, you know, other than just a cameo that you can book, <laughs> uh, I prefer, you know what, just communicate with me through um, through Instagram and I'll say hello back. If I uh-huh. geek you and you geek me. There you go. Well, again, check out the new movie, 40 Love. Also, uh, look up his book, Baby Don't Hurt Me. Chris Kattan, great to visit with you, sir, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Got a question for you. Can hatred ever unite people? I'm going to say it can, because here are 10 things that are universally hated by everyone on Earth. Number one, loud chewing. Everyone hates it. But if it makes you angry, you might have a condition called misophonia. Number two, slow walkers, especially when you're behind them on the sidewalk and can't pass, am I right? Number three, group texts with too many people. So there's a ding every five seconds. Please don't include me in those. Number four, being told to calm down. It almost always has the opposite effect. Number five, talking during movies. Now it's surprising how many people still do it. Number six, people who clip their nails in public. Now do it in your own home and don't make us watch. Number seven, close talkers, especially during the pandemic. Number eight, drivers who don't use turn signals. Now it's for everyone's safety, not just yours. Number nine, slow internet. Even if it's slowed down for a minute, we get enraged. And number 10, couples who argue in front of their friends. Now, it makes everyone uncomfortable, especially if they tried to get you to pick sides or back them up. If you know me, you know our family, we love some SpongeBob. Uh, We're going to talk about a new podcast, SpongeBob Binge Pants. And we've got Hector Navarro and Frankie Grande with us today. And Hector and Frankie, I appreciate you guys taking some time to talk about uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh my goodness, we that's what we do all day yeah. long. So I'm just so excited to talk to another person who loves SpongeBob as much as Hector and I do. So this thank you for having a, us. Yeah, a normal Thursday for us, Cameron. So, but we <laughs> yeah. really appreciate you having us on your show. Thank you so much. Exactly. And Hector, I guess I, sh- I should ask you the, uh, the the cartoon aficionado, if there ever was <gasps> one. Uh, what it what is it about SpongeBob that makes it so special for everybody? Listen, Cameron, you can watch the show with your wife and your daughter, and Families can watch the show together. I think Frankie at one point said like the show is accessible from people ages nine to 99, which is absolutely true. All of our grandparents know who SpongeBob is. And I think the thing that makes the show so special is so many different things. But number one is SpongeBob himself. That little yellow sponge Mm -hmm. is such a brilliant ray of sunshine. And he stands shoulder to shoulder with characters like Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and Fred Flintstone and Scooby-Doo and the most famous cartoon characters ever because of how unique and beautiful he is. And he came along at a time where the 90s was all about cynicism and coolness and edginess. And right at the end of that decade comes SpongeBob and he's like, I'm going to usher you in to the new millennium with some, with some positive attitudes, you know, some, some, some joy. And, uh, and we have just been fans of his ever since. And Frankie, I'll ask you, what is it about SpongeBob for you personally? Oh my goodness. I relate to SpongeBob on a cosmic level, you know, like I try to go through life 
being that beam of light and that source of joy and that rainbow of energy for everyone around me because I know that life is difficult and I know how hard it is for everybody out there. And so my motto has always been shine bright like a Frankie. When people throw shade, shine brighter. That's like on on my merch. It's on my clothing. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I got that joie de vivre or rather I saw that in another person very young and it was SpongeBob. You know, he just is that source of light and joy and positivity for Squidward, for Sandy, for Patrick, for Mr. Krabs, for anyone who needs that burst of energy. And it seems to be endless, even though we do see SpongeBob break down and be human very often. And that's also (laughs) why I really like the character, because he isn't it isn't just um, unattainable. It, mm-hmm. it seems like he's a real person, and and I relate to that very deeply. So you know, oh. to me, SpongeBob is is my ideal, and I, it's, I, it's, I continue to be that. It's so sad when little SpongeBob is crying, and he <laughs> cries his tears, and then they're absorbed back into him, and then he cries the tears yeah. out, and so like we feel for that little guy so much. <laughs> we love yeah. him because <laughs> all he wants to do is make the world a better. I place know, he's and the make best. the world a brighter place. But we all know how hard that is, especially yeah. in today's climate. So yeah. it's been uh, it's been a joy to get to explore um, at the things that make SpongeBob tick. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us the the SpongeBob binge pants, the the podcast itself. Tell our listeners kind of what to expect from uh, are you guys going to just kind of delve into each and every episode? If so, you guys are going to have like a lifelong commitment. here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's great job security, Cameron. You're right. It really yeah. is. It's really great job security. Yeah, it's you should join us. Uh, but it, but it's 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 Frankie and I geeking out every single episode about an episode of SpongeBob or something related to SpongeBob. And also because this is an official Nickelodeon podcast, right? They've teamed up with iHeartRadio, but because it's official Nickelodeon, they've got the hookup. They're letting us talk to voice actors from the show. In fact, later today, we're talking to Roger Bumpus, AKA the voice of Squidward, Crazy, which we're like geeking. I'm like texting Frankie. Like, I can't believe we get to talk to Squidward (laughs) this week. Like, this is so cool. So we have guests on and they're voice actors. We're also talking to directors from the show, writers, storyboard artists, colorists, right? That that work on the show in areas that maybe we don't think about often when we're watching it. It's just this magical world of Bikini Bottom. But so many, I mean, everything, every little detail you see on screen, somebody had to create with their hand or with a computer or a tool, some beautiful piece of artistry. And we get to talk to the folks who were there from the beginning, who are still working on the show today. And Frankie and I are just like learning about what goes into it and learning about these people and realizing that the late great creator of SpongeBob, Steven Hillenburg, he recruited some of the best folks working in cartoons. And in some cases, they weren't even in cartoons yet. He's recruiting them from like the world of indie comics and all these mm-hmm. different places. And they put together such a, a, an amazing group of people that when you get to hear Frank and I talk to them and tell them how much the show means to us, like you'll realize, yeah, these are the perfect people that have worked on the show, that they, they're so protective of SpongeBob. They care about it so much and they just want to make the best quality stuff ever. Yep. And they succeed and it's 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 wild. So hopefully listening to the show is going to get fans of all ages to appreciate it more. And also it's really entertaining and funny. And, you know, these voice actors are hams and Frankie's hilarious. And so it's I think it's a really good podcast. <laughs> Frankie, is, is, is there any of the songs in the multitude of seasons of, of episodes? Are there any songs that are your particular favorite? Is there is there one for you? I mean, for me, it's best day ever. You know, yeah, it's, it's the gotta best be. day ever. 
And that's like, you know, because again, that's how I try to wake up every single morning. And let me tell you, when we started this morning at 5 a.m., I had to channel best day ever. There was no other option because I'm like, I'm talking about SpongeBob today. So it's going to be the best day ever, even though it is pitch black outside. Um, and you know what? It's that's one of my favorites. Absolutely. It always has been. Um, but there are so many good songs. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Now, what is uh, maybe is do you have a particular episode that is that is your favorite? If you, if you had to sit down and watch one, what, which one would you pick? I want to take this one. I think I think it's 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 tough because Frankie and I grew up with the show. So we have our nostalgic favorites. Yes. And as we're watching the show, I think we're maybe like picking new favorite episodes and realizing like, oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. But I got to go with pizza delivery. Mm -hmm. It's early in season one. It's, you know, Mr. Krabs gets a call where someone's like ordering a pizza and they're like, we don't make pizza, but because Mr. Krabs loves money, he absolutely like <laughs> turned a Krabby Patty into a pizza and said, go deliver this. <laughs> and it's so hilarious. And for me, it comes down to voice actor Tom Kenny, who's the voice of SpongeBob, singing a little jingle, the Krusty Krab pizza is the pizza for you and me. Again, goes back to the songs. The music in this show is so good. So that's my favorite episode. I know what Frankie's favorite episode is. Frankie, take it away. I love, um, you know, um, ho ho home sweet pineapple. Um, I just find it to be so um, a, an endearing episode where we kind of just get to um, see the best qualities of each of the characters. You know, as SpongeBob becomes uh, someone that is experiencing homelessness. And then you see, like, where is he going to go and where is he going to live and who's going to step up to the plate? And then eventually, of course, um, the everything solves itself. But it was it's just I think it's just a beautiful little episode. I, and I, I also... laugh so hard during it because there's this one scene with Patrick where, where they we're in, it's like it's so funny it's very relatable because it's like spongebob has to try to be roommates with his best friend and it goes horribly wrong <laughs> and i'm like that is so relatable like your best obviously like i have best friends who like i can't live with them at all and nope. I, just, I just find that and then he has to go to live with his parents it's just a very relatable episode to me and i think it's hysterical that's cool. Well, Frankie and uh, and Hector, I want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can find SpongeBob Binge Pants and and of course where they can follow each of you social media. I guess Frankie, if uh, if let you go first, if you would. Yes, you can listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants anywhere where you stream your podcasts, whether that be Apple Music or Spotify or anywhere that you get your podcasts, iHeartRadio app, anywhere you do. Um, so please take a listen to us, and you can find me on socials at at Frankie J Grande. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Hector is funny, where occasionally I'm funny occasionally. So check that out. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I look forward to checking out the podcast myself. And again, thank you guys for helping me gain some cool points today. Oh, Cameron, you're the best, man. I hope that you and your family enjoy the show and the best to you guys. Well, thanks again for joining us for this 145th episode in season two of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, a question, maybe anything else you'd like to know, just hit me up on the contact page at gqwithcam.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at gqwithcam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, you can visit our merch store where we've got hoodies, shirts, tumblers, mugs, stickers, backpacks, and more. That's gqwithcam.com forward slash shop. And if you have a special guest idea, just email me, gqwithcam at gmail.com. Thanks again to our good friend Brandon Allen for coming up with our theme music. 
we're going to let him play us out and hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. <laughs>